0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're going to do two shows, today's and next week, focusing primarily on what is likely to happen on the November 7th election. Next week's program, we're going to deal with the uh, state uh, ballot propositions and the various races across the state of California with our designated liberal and designated conservative, respectively Mr. Alan Stanton and Mr. David Mather. It's worked out in past uh, elections for, I don't know, going back several years now. So we're going to try it one more time. It should be uh, a rollicking good time. In our second segment on today's program, we're going to speak with Jeff Kravitz, who's challenging Doris Matsui uh, for the congressional race here in Sacramento, as well as Bob Petrakis, who isn't running in California, but is also challenging the powers that be in the state of Ohio. He's the Green Party candidate for governor. And a lot of eyes around the nation are focused on Ohio, where it's expected that uh, Democrats are going to do extremely well. Ohio's considered, really, the bellwether state among the battleground states, so we're curious to get an update from uh, uh, Dr. Bob Fitrakis. Right here in Davis on uh, Tuesday night, Joe Wilson, he of the Valerie Plame scandal, uh, appeared in uh, in Davis at the Palm Court Hotel as part of a campaign fundraiser for Charlie Brown. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Brown is challenging John Doolittle for his congressional seat. We've uh, been privileged to bring you Joe Wilson on this program three times previously, and we will hope to excerpt a bit from what he had to say uh, on Tuesday night, as well as some remarks from Charlie Brown. If we can't get Colonel Brown to speak to us on this week's show, and we're hoping that he, we can, uh, we'll do our best to bring him on uh, next week's. Former Congressman Pete McCloskey was supposed to appear at that uh, fundraiser, but for some reason uh, didn't make it. We'd like to hear again from uh, Pete McCloskey, who ran an unsuccessful challenge to Richard Pombo. For uh, the Republican nomination uh, last spring But uh, Pombo's also in trouble, as is Doolittle As is apparently uh, Dan Lundgren, possibly And we have to say, we think uh, that's a good thing We would like to remind you at this point that the opinions expressed on this program Do not necessarily represent those of the radio station or our sponsors They are ours alone Uh, But but we're pretty sure that, you know, given their dead-on accuracy That a lot of you out there in radio land, of course, will agree. And we're going to report on the appearance of Dan Ellsberg. Uh, Dr. Daniel Ellsberg was over at uh, CSUS, of course, uh, at 8 o'clock while the, the party for uh, uh, Charlie Brown is here in Davis at 6. Uh, I did want to attend both and, and managed to do so and, and would like to talk to you a little bit about what Dan Ellsberg had to say also in, in our second segment. All right, let's start the show as we like to do with On This Date in History, which is October 26th. On October 26th in 1881, three men die in a famous shootout at the O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. This was between the Earp brothers and the Clanton-McLaurie gang. Uh, we talked about the the gunfight at the O.K. Corral with the Western historian Roger Peterson a couple years back, and we would refer you to our website uh, for a refresher course on, on those events. Of course, uh, our website is radioparallax.com. On uh, October 26, 1944, the largest air-naval battle in history, the World War II Battle of Leyte Gulf, ends after four days of intense combat with a decisive American victory that destroyed the Japanese fleet and gave the Allies control over the Pacific. And finally, on October 26, 1972, and I remember this very well, after negotiating with the North Vietnamese in Paris, United States National Security Advisor Henry Kissinger announces that peace is at hand in Vietnam. This announcement came just two weeks before the 1972 presidential election. As it turned out, the Vietnam War continued for another three years. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the more famous uh, political dodges uh, in recent American history. It sounded pretty good that peace was at hand. Richard Nixon was re-elected by a landslide two weeks later. But not only did uh, Kissinger and Nixon not bring the war to an end, by Christmas of that year, uh, a a tremendous bombing campaign was launched against North Vietnam, not because the North Vietnamese weren't cooperating, but uh, because South Vietnamese President Nguyen Van Tu just felt felt that they should do that to prop up his regime. The U.S. Air Force, uh, at the behest of the President and uh, Dr. Kissinger, obligingly proceeded to do exactly that. We would uh, like to note at this juncture in a uh, rather similar story that yesterday top U.S. officials in Baghdad said that Iraqi forces should be completely capable of taking responsibility for security within 18 months. It was noted by both MSNBC and NPR, among others, that this assertion came as Republican support for the White House strategy on Iraq continued to erode just two weeks ahead of November's congressional elections. We say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I would like to offer the opinion that in 1972, I didn't know any better when Henry Kissinger made that statement, but I do now. The statement that Iraqi forces should be completely capable of taking responsibility for security within 18 months is a politically motivated statement that has no bearing on realities in Iraq. All right, today's quote of the day comes from Sigmund Freud, who once said, The aim of psychoanalysis is to relieve people of their neurotic unhappiness so that they can become normally unhappy. Although our runner-up quote of the week is the caption that uh, The Week magazine placed on that article that we discussed on last week's program about women appearing to dress up somewhat when they were ovulating. (laughs) The Week captioned the story, Does this outfit make me look fertile? I guess we'll make that our quip of the day. Our statistic of the day is as follows. More than five years after Islamic terrorists infiltrated and attacked the U.S. on September 11th, only 33... FBI agents have even a limited proficiency in Arabic. By the way, none of the Arabic speakers work in sections of the Bureau involved in counterterrorism. That's according to the Washington Post. Y- you know, that can't be good. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for restorers. After Steve Wynn, a Las Vegas casino magnate, accidentally stuck his elbow through Picasso's La Rive, a Cubist masterpiece he had arranged only three days before to sell for an estimated price of $139 million. Apparently Wynn now plans to keep the painting. Last week was a bad week for apparent bargains after warnings by medical researchers came out that Fabuloso, the $1 bottle fluid available in lime green, purple, blue, and red colors, is actually a Mexican cleaning product and not the inexpensive sport drink, (laughs) which apparently 94 and counting individuals have taken it for so far this year. And uh, last week was an ugly week for exercising your free speech rights in America in a couple of incidents. In the first, a Colorado man was thrown into jail for criticizing Vice President Dick Cheney. Stephen Howards, 54, said he walked up to Cheney at a shopping mall in Beaver Creek and said, Your policies in Iraq are reprehensible. He then walked away. A few minutes later, Howards was seized by a Secret Service agent, handcuffed and taken to jail, where he was charged with misdemeanor harassment. The charges were later dropped. This is really about whether we in fact live in a free nation, said Howards, who filed a lawsuit charging the Secret Service with violating his free speech. And in a story which gained worldwide attention uh, from right here in Sacramento, Julia Wilson, an 8th grade uh, student, was pulled from her biology class and questioned by the Secret Service about some comments and images she had posted on MySpace.com, the popular networking uh, website. Last spring, Julia had posted a crude photo collage showing a knife stabbing President Bush's hand beneath the words, Kill Bush. Now, apparently when someone pointed out to Julia that it was illegal to uh, threaten the president, she removed the message from her website. Nevertheless, months later, the Secret Service showed up in town to make sure that this 14-year-old's honored student, with the braces on her teeth and a heart on her backpack, uh, as reported in the Sacramento Bee, was not a crazed assassin or terrorist. Now, we fully understand the Secret Service has a tough job protecting the President of the United States, but uh, what do you think, dear listener? Was that a reasonable thing to do? Send us your opinion at info at radioparallax.com, and uh, perhaps we'll read it on the air. Anyway, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the mailbag here. Uh, we were sent an email from uh, John, which was a forward of a New York Times article about uh, how in Washington, about every month, 10 top staff members from Capitol Hill meet over dinner to commiserate about their uneasy experience being gay Republicans. These men are primarily congressional staffers, but the article points out that the presence of homosexuals, particularly gay men, in crucial staff positions, has been an enduring, if largely hidden, staple of Republican life for decades, and particularly in recent years. They've played decisive roles in passing legislation, running campaigns, and advancing careers. It's an interesting article. We recommend that you look it up on the web. But I do want to share the quote near the end of it from Joe Scarborough, who is a former Republican congressman from Florida, who actually served with uh, with Mark Foley in Congress, who clarified things for us. He said, "If you're a gay Republican, you have to act like a Republican." Mr. Scarborough, who is now the host of Scarborough Country on MSNBC, said. Acting like a Republican entailed going out on the campaign trail, talking about guns, chewing tobacco, and riding around in a pickup truck. Scarborough contrasted this with gay Democrats who, quote, can strut around and still get a standing ovation, unquote. We're assuming that uh, the reason Mark Foley's indiscretions uh, went unpunished for so long was that, well, he didn't strut around. Pablo sent us an article from BuzzFlash noting that the Eisenhower Carrier Group sailing for the Iran theater um, uh, should have gotten in the vicinity of Iran about October 21st. Uh, That's a couple days back uh, here. So, you know, Daniel Ellsberg in his talk suggested that there may be an incident in Iran, a kind of October surprise to boost Republican chances here in November. Uh, That doesn't seem likely, but, uh, you know, talking about Henry Kissinger and peace is at hand we wouldn't rule it out. And finally, Jane sent us a blurb from the washingtonpost.com regarding the death of Philip Merrill. Mr. Merrill was a prominent publisher and a former diplomat. Uh, apparently, he was the assistant general secretary to uh, to NATO in the early 1990s and president of the Export-Import Bank of the US from 2002 until last year. The article noted that throughout his working life, he took time away from his business interests to pursue diplomatic and intelligence assignments for the government. According to the article, Merrill was the apparent victim of a suicide. His boat had been found drifting in a stiff breeze off the Maryland coast back in June. And uh, 10 days later, uh, his body was found 11 miles from where the boat was located with a uh, shotgun wound to the head and a small anchor tied around his ankles. In her email, Jane cited some other reports uh, noting that there had been blood found on board the ship. So apparently, uh, if we're to believe the suicide story, Philip Merrill lashed an anchor around his ankles, positioned himself on board the boat so that after the shotgun discharged, he would keel overboard and wash up 11 miles from wherever the boat would go. Oh, it's possible, I guess, but this does remind us of the, uh, the National Lampoon Report uh, back in 1972 on uh, the, uh, the death of Salvador Allende, where the, uh, the magazine noted that Allende apparently committed suicide, shooting himself in the back with an automatic weapon, pausing only once to reload. We're still hoping in the weeks to come to bring you Rita Malouf. We had a talk with RV Shy of the Sacramento News and Review, and he's going to try and uh, hook uh, this program up with uh, uh, Rita, whose re- first hand reports were published in the newspaper from Lebanon during the Israeli attack uh, a couple months ago. According to reports from Israel on Tuesday, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmer, in a bid for political survival, struck an alliance with a hardliner who has called for stripping. Israeli Arabs of citizenship executing lawmakers for talking to Hamas and bombing Palestinian population centers. The ultra nationalist party Yisrael Baitanu, is headed by uh, Avidor Lieberman. Lieberman is an immigrant from Moldova of the for- former Soviet Union where he was a former bar bouncer. His comments about Arabs have made him one of Israel's most divisive figures. At the height of the fighting against Palestinians in 2002, Lieberman, then a cabinet minister under Benjamin Netanyahu, called for bombing of Palestinian gas stations, banks, and commerce centers. This just can't be a good thing. Uh, we're going to, uh, again, as we say, we're going to return to the topic of Israel, Lebanon, and what's going on in that part of the world. Um, I think after the election here in November. And in our final item of the first segment, uh, we note uh, that porn star Mary Carey said earlier this week she was dropping out of the California's governor race to be with her ailing mother, who was hospitalized in Florida since jumping off of a four-story building. (laughs) In a written statement, Carey said, I'm only 26 and have many more years to be involved in politics. But right now, I must be in Florida with my mom. Well, we didn't know that Mary Carey was running, but apparently after failing to gather enough signatures to be on the November ballot, she was running as a write-in candidate. Miss Carey has been the uh, the star of such adult film features as Boobsville's sorority girls. You know, we do agree with Mary Carey. uh, When she complained uh, last week about uh, Governor Schwarzenegger appearing on The Tonight Show with uh, Jay Leno. Phil Angelides said said he thought he ought to be given equal time on The Tonight Show, and Mary Carey thought uh, she ought to too. It certainly gave Governor Schwarzenegger an edge over all their candidates uh, during the recall when he was able to announce his candidacy to a national audience on The Tonight Show. And as far as the governor's race goes, it's over. When Phil Angelides is trying to beat the drum, To raise indignation over the governor's supposed racist remarks about a Latino legislator. And she, in response, said, Well, you know, I think the governor's kind of hot. Well, at that point, it gets pretty hard to take any of it seriously. Anyway, let's talk about some politics in segment two. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll be back after a short break. Big, big